0: Welcome back, everyone. I'm Sarah Peck, and this is the Startup Pregnant Podcast. Today, I want to have a conversation about energy and sleep and how it changes throughout pregnancy and the postpartum period, and also how to manage it or not. Sometimes we can't manage it and all we can do is cope. As you'll see in this episode, I am not in the best place when I sit down to record. For most of the third trimester of of my second pregnancy, I struggled with extreme fatigue and a lot of insomnia. Insomnia, especially during pregnancy, feels like one of those cruel tricks to play on a pregnant lady. So in today's episode, I bring my guest co-host and longtime friend, Carrie Fortin, back on the show. If you've been listening along, we're doing a series of friendship conversations where we dive into the deep stuff, what it's like to make friends as an adult, how we both took maternity leave, the surprises and devastations of parenting, and more. In today's episode, we reflect on pregnancy and energy and the energy loss that can be so brutal to deal with. Someone at the waiting room in my doctor's office whispered to me, but they don't really tell you how tiring it is. From the outside, it looks cute. Oh, you're pregnant. Oh, you're tired. Oh, but you're bringing a life into the world. And from the inside, it feels like you've lost, for me at least, half your ability to function and you're just barely scraping along. And because I am so sleep deprived when we were recording this, there are snorts and giggles. I'm a little punchy. You're gonna hear a more unfiltered side of myself Welcome to the reality of pregnancy in all of those forms. Welcome to the Startup Pregnant Podcast, where we talk to creative leaders about what it means to be an entrepreneur and a parent. I'm your host, Sarah K. Peck. There is so much to learn when it comes to pregnancy and parenting. You all know that I'm a huge fan of learning from experts and gathering your tribe of people to learn from. So one of the ones I highly recommend is called Alavita Nutrition. They are the sponsor of this episode, and they are a tremendous resource when it comes to food and health and wellness. Anna and Megan started the company, and they are registered dietitians and entrepreneurs, and they want to make eating good food and understanding nutrition easier for busy moms. I have been stalking their blog and reading all of the recipes and now it makes a lot more sense why I crave a bazillion eggs and green juice during my pregnancy because I understand the science behind it. If you want to learn more about nutrition and how to take care of your body before you're pregnant and while you're growing a baby and afterwards, go check them out at Alavita Nutrition. Also, for Startup Pregnant listeners, if you use the code Pregnant, you get 20% off of their self-paced programs or their nutrition consultations. I have all the links in the show notes so you can check them out and thank you Alavida Nutrition for being the sponsor of this episode. So today I am so excited to welcome Carrie back to the show. Carrie, thanks for doing this mini series with me.
1: It's always highlighted my week. <laughs> this is fun. So today I want to talk all about
0: energy, and how it changes. Because I think pregnancy was one of the most profound experiences of feeling like, oh, holy, I've been hit by a truck. I have no energy in the first trimester. And at the time of this recording, I am now 33 weeks pregnant and feel like I've been hit by a truck again. I'm super tired. I have a story to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) But I just want to like talk through how do you deal with it as a business owner? And also, everybody listening, I have to tell you this story first to set the context. And then I'm gonna ask Carrie a question. First, for the last three nights, I have had the worst pregnancy insomnia. So I go to bed at like 930. And then for some reason, I wake up at either 1130 or one. And then I'm awake the rest of the night. So last night, my Fitbit, which I probably shouldn't even look at it. But last night, my Fitbit was like, you slept for two hours and 45 minutes. And you were restless for four hours and 20 minutes and i took a screenshot and i sent it to my husband i was like yeah that's how i feel like that and i cried so hard this morning <laughs> i'm sharing that a because like i have no filter right now at the time of this recording cuz it's 3:30 in the afternoon and it's been more than 12 hours since i woke up but also because the third trimester is brutal and i'm really
1: tired and i don't know sometimes how i'm doing this podcast it is so brutal i remember someone saying to me first of all i'm so sorry <laughs> Let's just start there about your sleep. Like that is bananas. And I had that so hardcore too in my third trimester. And I remember someone saying to me like, sleep now. And I was like, you know, A, that advice isn't (laughs) helpful. And B, that advice might've been helpful like three years ago, but I haven't, (laughs) you know, like certainly not now, you know, when you have to like pee, as my friend said, she has to aggressively pee a thimble worth of pee like every 60 minutes. That's Um, exactly it. Right. And like, just, you know, and I always thought that it wasn't fair to talk about like pregnancy anxiety. It's just like you wake up and then of course you've got a million things to think about whether or not you want to label that as anxiety. You're just like, Oh my God, this baby's coming. I'm going to birth it. Somehow that's going to happen. Like those are big things to just have come to you when you wake up at 1130. That doesn't even count, Sarah. That's like you kind of took a late night nap. (laughs) I know. I know.
0: And I kept thinking it would get better. But I'm like the third night in. Also, I was slightly nervous about whether or not I'd be coherent. I was texting you right before this being like, I might have to bail. I'll just do it. This is actually (laughs) real. So listeners, you know, I bet there are people listening who have been in the exact same page. And they're like, Oh, I feel you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The other thing that's really hard is all those. (sighs) What does it feel like? I was telling a friend this morning, there comes a like tipping point in the third trimester for me when I really feel like it doesn't matter how much I drink, how much water I drink, how many vitamins I take, how much good food I eat, but it's like the baby is like mine and just sucks it out of my body. <laughs> and like, I'm like, but I was thirsty too. Like, <laughs> and it's just like, I just feel like I'm being leached of all the things. I mean, to put it in context, when I woke up last night at 130, I ate salty seaweed, two bananas downed a whole bunch of coconut water, and then finished my smoothie, my superfood smoothie, where I had like sunflower seeds and mango. I'm trying to stuff myself with as many nutrients as possible. And that baby was like, great, I'm good. And I was like, my legs are still cramping. And so I took a magnesium bath. I feel like people don't really share how taxing it is on your body at the end. Like, I feel like an old ass car breaking down. (laughs) (laughs)
1: And just like the speed with which it happens, like that's always so wild to me. That's the thing about pregnancy. Like in some ways it feels like it's forever, but something new is happening all the time. It's like having a little baby. And by the time you get used to what was happening, something brand new happens and you're like, oh God. And at least in the case of pregnancy in your third trimester, the thing that replaces it tends to be harder and less comfortable. I mean, first of all, good for you hearing the food you ate because my baby is essentially an everything bagel with (laughs) on my legs. (laughs) I've looked at her and been like, I am sorry, but you are made up of beige foods and like
0: dairy. (laughs) Like, I love you. Oh, there's also like dozens of pints of ice cream. But like last night, I was like, you will have everything. Here you go.
1: (laughs) Yeah. My sister was saying to she had twins, and just had experience of like, I mean, all of the bones that are like maturing inside of you, like the organs. I don't know. It's wild. All of it, it is, is growing. I think
0: last week, the brain folds were starting to develop. It was a smooth brain. And then it's like your baby's now getting wrinkles in its brain. I was like, Oh, whoa, maybe that's why I want all this salty fish. I mean, I don't know. I think this is the tipping point when you're at max amniotic fluid, and then there's just no more space. The baby just keeps growing, but you don't have more space to give it amniotic fluid from here on out. Yeah, we're thirsty all the time. We pee every 30 minutes. Aggressively peeing a thimble's worth of pee is exactly right. (laughs) Peeing is so unsatisfying. The pressure you feel is like, oh, I'm going to let out a gusher. Like, I'm going to fill this bowl. And you go to the bathroom, and it's like, mew. Yeah. (laughs) Like, why was there so much sensation for that worthless amount that just came out of my body?
1: Okay. And can we also talk about your baby, like brain folds for a second? Because I feel like that is the craziest thing to me about pregnancy. And maybe that's why it feels so weird when it's like, I don't know why I can't sleep. I don't know why I feel crazy. Because we're not consciously doing anything, but our bodies are doing so much and their little bodies are doing so much. And it's like, we get these random emails. It's like your baby's a mango and like has brain folds, but it's still so hard to process. (laughs) Like, of course you need seaweed and super smoothies and all that stuff. Cause think about all this crazy stuff that's going on. Like if you were to say I'm training for a marathon, we'd be like, great you need those shot blocks, you need, like, you really need all that, because you're consciously choosing to do it. And I think sometimes, I would forget in pregnancy, like, I'm not choosing to run a marathon, but I still am. And but so you're I doing needed... it
0: back to back day after day.
1: Yes, that was the best thing my husband ever said was anytime I did something, he said I was doing a biathlon or a duathlon. And he's like, you're walking and growing a baby. You're like hiking and growing a baby as I would get really slow at doing everything. And he's like, well, you're doing a bunch of stuff right now. That's, oh, that's
0: the sweetest.
1: is it? It was so nice. And I was like, that's the way to look at it.
0: I really dislike that this is my psychological response, but I keep having this experience of wanting to apologize for not being able to do as much. Like, yeah. oh, you know, normally I'm competent adult and I do the dishes after myself and I make the bed or I fold clothes, like the listlessness with which I look around at it. I'm like, okay, that looks like another mountain. That looks like another mountain that I can't do that. And then my partner gets home cause he works outside of the house and I just feel so bad. And he's like, I got this. It's just dishes. <laughs> you know, it's like not that much. I'm like, yeah, but they're my dishes. It was all, I don't. And I just, I'm trying not to feel bad about it. And he's really good about reminding me. And he's like, you are working plenty hard enough for the two of us. You're doing something I cannot do. Like, I cannot contribute this to our family, but I can do five dishes. We're good.
1: <laughs> oh, that is so amazing. Just as you were saying that to us thinking about like the newborn days, right? When it's a version of this, but with more poop. And <laughs> so but much poop. I right, so much poop. But I feel like I didn't even have like the lens with which to look at my house and be like, oh, this is gross. You know, I just like put the dishes somewhere and walked away and didn't think about them again. So maybe that's the hardest part about pregnancy, this late stage. Yeah, is that a huge energy drop? And then knowing, I don't know, I guess newborn, you have more energy, but it's all taken from you also. It's just on the outside. But I don't know. And maybe your experience with a newborn was different also than mine, as I'm sure it was. But just like the sleeplessness, the like having something needs so much from you, which it needs all that from you right now inside your body. It's just like, you can't hear it making noise as it does it. <laughs> and then the transition to it all being on the outside and then all being visible and obvious, I guess in some ways it's rewarding. Cause it's like, look at all the stuff my body's been doing. That is now like a full-time job for two adults. The thing that I'm experiencing right now is
0: like, and this is a personal experience versus a global experience, is really having to dig into figuring out where the forgiveness for myself is, like what my expectations are for myself and why. I'm typically been an overdoer and an overdriver. And when I get, you know, handed this, like, (laughs) you shall have half as much energy as you normally have. The hardest part is actually like how demoralizing it feels, how sad I am about it. I'm like, but I want to do all these things. I like being fast. I like being competent. I like getting things done. But then the other thing that's happening is I am out and about. And I feel like I have really grumpy stories to tell you today, which may be correlated to the lack of sleep. But like, I'm on the New York City subway, and all these men, pardon all the men who are listening to my show that are wonderful, love you. They don't even look up from their phones. And I've gotten body slammed at 32, 33 weeks pregnant by people who don't even bother to look like my inner rage <laughs> comes out and is like, where is the reverence for pregnant women? Like where is the collective admiration for the incredible feat that's happening here? Like I have people push past me because I'm walking too slowly. I mean, granted, I live in Manhattan, land of fast walkers and aggressive people, but still, so, it so it frustrates me.
1: It's like the cultural talking out of both sides of our mouths, too. Like nothing's more important than family is like oh, the women who carry babies, it's a miracle. But also get your butt out of my way, lady. Like, (laughs) you know, I was amazed. I think, was it you and I who were talking about like the hierarchy of people who will notice you and like stand up for you? Mm -hmm. And how it's always like- Older women. Older women, always older women. And I guess it's the empathy and the knowing what's going on. But I look around at a bunch of men in their 30s and 40s and you kind of think like, some of you have partners, some of you have been pregnant, some of you are parents, like, have you no idea what this is like? Like, do you really have to have gone through this to see me carrying 40 pounds in my belly and realize like, I'd like to sit
0: there? It's frustrating, because I mean, this wanders into a different conversation that you and I should have at some point, which is the separation or the duality of the genders, where we say, you know, all men, this and all women, this and to me, I'm stumbling upon the realization that it's not an effective way of starting the conversation across genders. It's great mm-hmm. within the women's circles to be like, ah, oh, and grump and grouch about other people. But if I tell somebody that this is a global experience, it doesn't generally lead me to having a better conversation. So I end up doing this like dynamic dance of explanation. I was at daycare this morning, drop off. And one of the dads asked me, like, how are you doing? Like, how's it going? Like, just a colloquialism, like just an everyday. And I looked at him, (laughs) dead faced. And I was like, it's August. I'm hot and I'm pregnant. And he just started backing out the door. He was like, (laughs) (laughs) and I was like, I just kind of shrugged. And I was like, that's how I'm doing. His eyes kind of widened. And he was like, "Okay, she's being real. Don't know how to handle this. But I wasn't like, men are the bane of my existence. Right. (laughs) They're not. I mean, there's so many wonderful ones. But yeah, it makes me want to cry. Sometimes I think if I just burst into tears on the subway or did a good right hook, like just punched someone for bumping into me. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't say that on the podcast.
1: Either one. Honestly, I would just slow clap like a pregnant lady who just leveled someone. (laughs) (laughs) What a superhero that would be who has all the people, you know, who are sitting all wide and like not paying attention. And you just, gosh, okay. Anyways, yes. So, so back to energy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So,
0: I would love to ask you about. For people listening, I'm sure I've mentioned this in other places, but if you're just jumping in with us, Carrie and I have been working on the Startup Pregnant project for a long time together. She's been part of the project since its beginning and has been a good friend of mine who, from like text messages to email exchanges to just sending supportive notes about like, I really like this project. Keep building it. Keep going. And then doing some essay writing on the site. Now she's helping with some of the publishing stuff that we're working on has always been an ear that I can talk to about building Startup Pregnant. So one of the things that's been really interesting is that we've both navigated pregnancy kind of in this ebb and flow where one of us has been pregnant and then the other one, and then I'm pregnant again. So our energy is different. So we're constantly meeting each other and being like, oh, yeah, you over there, you're in the first trimester how you doing? Where the other person is like, <laughs> Roger Rabbit or Bunny Rabbit, whatever, like spinning, being like, I've got energy, I can go. To Carrie, what has it been like, on your end, going through this project over the last two or so years together, and navigating these energetic ebbs and flows?
1: It's so interesting. And what I will say, I have always appreciated, you know, in some lucky ways. I mean, your son is Over a year and a half older than my daughter. And so, in that sense, I felt like I always had a safe person to talk to with you when I'd be like, Hey, I am just barely pregnant. And somehow, like, you know, I've got this thing the size of a quinoa grain inside of me and it is knocking me out. And you're like, Yeah, I hear you. I know it. I get it. And so, I've always appreciated that you had that experience before me. So, you understood. But it is funny because I think about like when we did a retreat together. Your kiddo was six months old and I had just had a pregnancy loss and was, I didn't realize it at the time, but was pregnant again, like in that moment and was about to also have a miscarriage there. So, you know, we have really been in and out of all of that together. You know, that was like the emotional crash, even though my energy felt fine. And then this time, you know, my daughter is just finally like sleeping for real and i am just finally feeling good exercising in like a somewhat meaningful way like running or sweating or doing something like that which used to be a big part of my life and so now it's nice because you're starting to prepare for baby and make space and slow down and we've had some conversations where i've been able to say like i'm coming into the open like i have been ramping up and i've got space now so what can I take on? Can I help? Can we talk this through? Because all of a sudden, I'm the one with energy, whereas it felt like for the past several years, it's been you who's been either, you know, emotionally energetic when I couldn't be or just helping me through like the first and third trimester in those newborn stages, which were all, you know, I just felt low energy for a variety of reasons. Because I think we started
0: syncing up when I was emerging out of the six month period. And most yeah. moms, I know it's between six and 12 months, like screw three months. And some moms talk to me and they're like, six months they are like, I'm still fuzzy headed. What is going on? And I'm like, is your baby sleeping? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, like, it'll be a bit, you know, <laughs> are you full time at work and doing the whole pretend thing where everybody thinks that you're supposed to be 100% back to normal, back to your body, back to everything. And you're like, Uh, what, what just happened? I think we started right around Leo was six months or eight months and you had gone through just a series of emotional hits, as Mm -hmm. well as physical, just through the pregnancy loss and figuring out like, how much time to take between trying and growing and grieving and all of that. And that's been the last. Now he's what two and a quarter. So almost two years, because then you got pregnant and you went through the first trimester, the second trimester, the third trimester, and then the newborn period, all while I was not gaining steam, but like, reacquainting myself with things I used to be able to do. And now I feel like I'm submerging. Like, (laughs) I do feel like I'm going underwater a little bit right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm about to really submarine because I'm going to have a toddler and a newborn. I'm scared. I'm not excited by it. I don't think we look forward to losing our energy. At least I don't. Your little one is eight months old. Eight months? Yeah, eight months old. It's wild. And so you're you're having the glory days of like, <gasps> I can leave for four
1: hours or whatever it is. <laughs> like my leash is getting longer by the millimeter every day. It is this experience I'm having, you know, and I'm still a nursing and pumping and whatever mom. So my tethered to my daughter still feels. Well, I guess that's it. It's a bond and sometimes it feels like a leash and sometimes it just feels like checking back in, but it is sort of small, but it feels so much bigger. And really, like you said, you know, when people say how they're feeling for me, it was 85, 90% tied to sleep to like a real full deep night of sleep and not just one, but like a couple of weeks before I felt You know, I still sometimes like forget words, really basic words, or I'll be spelling a word like window. And I'll be like, huh, W is on either end. That looks strange. You know, like I still have those (laughs) little brain parts where I'm like, wow, I feel like I used to be smarter than I am, but I don't know. But I'm not going to judge that. But I do feel like the physical energy, the motivation, the excitement I have is higher than it's been in years, which is invigorating, I guess. Mm. Like that's kind of the upward spiral of like, I feel good. Ooh, I'm doing good. Oh, I feel good. This is great. And I'm sure there are sleep regressions and teethings and all kinds of things in my future. So I know that's <laughs> ebbs oh, and flows.
0: No, I think right. it's mostly up, but there are like lulls where you're like, dang it, I had planned for having more energy than this, this week. I'm slipping because I know I keep slooping words together. It's called a spoonerism, but I'll like Put two words together, and I'll look at my husband and say a complete sentence that doesn't have real words in it. He just repeats them back to me like, I feel a kinship with my toddler. Like, I think <laughs> you're trying to explain something, and I don't know what it is. And yeah. I'll just say the word louder until I realize that it's not a word and I need to separate them. And my brain has gone a little mushy.
1: And I guess that's the thing, too. I even think about like this idea of mushy brain and mommy brain and all of these sort of like dismissive terms we have when it's like, no. Your brain is changing in this incredible way. Like our brains are not that plastic, not that malleable. And yet I do think that like motherhood is one of these times when our brains change tremendously because you are going to be able to, in like a crowded room, distinguish your child's cry from every other noise. And that takes up a lot of space in your brain. And so... Maybe you're yeah, not feeling yeah. so good these days, but that's the thing. I'm like, our brains aren't mushy. They're just getting super strong in these areas that we're not accustomed to. And we as people don't necessarily value or understand, and that society
0: certainly Definitely doesn't, doesn't value. Doesn't, yeah,
1: yeah, at all. Like mommy brain. How dismissive is that? Like an incompetent uterus. I'm like, what a hole thought of these like, just names for things? Names, right? I don't know. Yeah.
0: Actually, so I just spoke with someone the other day. She was talking about the brain changes that happen. Yeah, mommy brain is so dismissive. And there's this myth out there that our brains shrink when it's really that they like consolidate and restructure. And the person I interviewed, she's going to be on this podcast, but like way later because it's not coming out till 2019. Cause I did all the interviews in advance. I have not finished editing them at this point. 33 Mm. weeks getting a little nervous (laughs) because there's a lot more editing to do. We were talking about it and she, interviewed this neuroscientist who shared that there are two major times in our life when we have the opportunity to rewire our brains, to restructure them. We have the most neuroplasticity between ages zero and six, like the early years of our life. That's when we are just soaking things in and building our brains. But then, and this is not just for moms, this is for all parents, including dads, co-parents, et cetera when you go through the birth of a child, if Mm. you are enough of a caretaker, if you're absent, it doesn't work. But if you spend enough time with the child, you have the opportunity to rewire and restructure your brain. And I am so thrilled by that because I think that like the opportunity to just compound or restructure or rethink or rebuild who you are, who wants to be in a rut for the rest of your life? Like, what a cool chance. It's something I think about a lot right now as I'm going into this second baby. Like, who am I going to be? Like, what is shedding? What's going away? What's coming? You know, what am I receiving? And it probably won't look very pretty. All of my experiences of transformation or growth have been just like my toddlers, you know, just as messy and tripping and falling and pooping in his pants and whatever it is that he's doing while he's learning. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not the most glamorous way. It's not like we're polished from the beginning. But there definitely is cool transformation that happens. So I'm willing to go under, you know, submerge a little bit, sloop some words
1: together. (laughs) (laughs) See what happens. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel like First of all, I was like, "Thank you for using the word neuroplasticity." I swear we are <laughs> intelligent people who know words like that. I was like, "Your brain moves and stuff." Um, <laughs> but I just, I'm just so glad that this is a conversation that you're having, and that it's like the environment that is being created by Startup Pregnant*, which is what amazing stuff is actually happening. Because I was about to say, like, why don't we talk about that more? But here we are. We're talking about that, and parenthood, motherhood, fatherhood, partnerhood, like whatever that looks like, just the idea that it is messy, but it is just so full of growth and so full of opportunity and how cool to look at it that way, you know, to acknowledge that it is going to be a challenge, but that it is rewarding. And it is the one chance you have after you turn six to really shift who you are, which yeah, is painful and can be ugly. But I don't know. That's exciting. That's the way I want to look at parenthood, I'll say.
0: Me too. I think it's the opportunity. And so part of it is the stories we tell about what's happening. Like if we talk about it in all negative terms and we use all these diminutive comments about mothers and how unmotivated and unfocused and like split attention they are. Well, the problem with that is that we then embed it in our own psyche and we believe it to be true about ourselves and the stories we tell ourselves. So part of it is the narrative of, what is the story we're telling about what's happening right now? And is it true? Because the stories about mommy brain that are so dismissive aren't true when you look at them. But then on the other edge, like I think that's the most optimal story or the most optimal exciting part. The other edge is you do lose brain power and brain functioning when you don't get enough sleep. Like I know that it happens to me personally and it's documented. And when we put parents through this like abysmal lack of support, no child care, or obscenely expensive childcare, no women around to co support, no postpartum checkups, no time off to recover, no co parents time off to recover. So many women are single parents nowadays. Like we don't even get the opportunity to be in that optimal space because people are just trying to survive.
1: Yes, true to all of that. I remember distinctly being in the hospital and I think we we're about to be discharged. You know, it was like 37 hours after I had had my daughter, maybe a little bit more than that. And the pediatrician came in to sort of give her her like going home, like thumbs up. And he looked at me and said, and I've never seen him since, because he was just someone in the pediatrician's practice. And he just said to me, you know, make sure you sleep. There's a reason why sleep deprivation is used in torture. It's because it's so effective. Yeah he was so charming. He was so sweet. You know, he was making sure her hips were good and was just being so just sweet and sensitive. And I felt great that he was handling my, you know, less than two day old daughter. But then he said that to me and just, it was like, you could tell that he said it a lot of times and was trying to practice the most meaningful way of saying it, which was like, I'm not just saying like, Ooh, take care of yourself. No big deal. I'm saying, this is something that we do when we try to harm people is prevent them from sleeping. So please like, take, this this take care of this take care of yourself.
0: Yeah. And that's hard because it's, you know, people are flooded with so many feelings and emotions and overwhelm and advice and everyone's stuffing things into your hospital bag or like showing up with flowers, which are to me the most worthless gift ever. I'm like, flowers, wear the diapers. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> and so it's like, how do you really impress upon someone? Like, make sure you sleep. Do that.
1: Yeah, That's I, And hard. you know what? I don't think it's me to just say to someone, right? Because I also know I came home and I was like on an adrenaline, or I don't know what it was. It was a high that lasted for like four or five days, and I was just like, you know, I couldn't sleep, and the baby slept. I just wanted to stare at her and smell her and pulled her and get ahead and change things and like wash her cute three-month-old clothes. Like I don't know what it was, but it was really and fold in my mind. Organize them. <laughs> Exactly. And then put this down in the basement. And then like, I didn't go so far as to like leave the house. But within the house, I was just manic. I don't know what the appropriate word would be. But it was a very high high, which was then followed by a really challenging low, where I think it was the like, I haven't slept in a meaningful way, you know, in months, but certainly not in a week. And my hormones and my healing and my milk coming in and being far away from like the women in my immediate family and from, you know, a support network that I'd had for a long time. That was really hard. And it's like, I guess that's when we need someone close to us, maybe a stage ahead of us or even just can reflect back to us like, okay, now is the time. Like, that's okay. You are tired. Go back to bed this week. I know you were on fire last week. Go to bed this week. Right. Try again later. Yeah, Yeah. Yes. All of that. Tell people, no, like you can drop food on my front porch, but please leave. And I think that I had some girlfriends, including you who said that, but I think in that first week, I, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I guess maybe that's why I'm excited to see you go through this a second time, given how much thought you have, because I think that there is, some part of it, like we lose objectivity, and then there might also be, though, some part of you just having experienced it before, who's able to step into that. I'll be so curious. I'm curious too. And I'll try, <laughs> I promise, I'll try to be the voice. It's like maybe this is your the nap. You're doing just, great, Mama.
0: I remember, you know like. I'm a terrible napper, or I was a terrible napper. Like yeah. it just was not something I was good at doing, but I had. Through college swimming, gotten practice at like okay, lie down for you know two hours, put your feet up because rest is better than nothing at all because in college swimming you'd have these epic swim meets that you know you, the morning sessions would be like six a m until noon and then you'd have a break and then the evening sessions would be like five p m until nine p m and so in the break in between the two sessions, you had to rest and a lot of people went and just slept and they crashed, and I was not very good at like full sleeping, but I would lie down in the dark close my eyes, put my legs up the wall and rest. And I remember going into parenthood being like, I'm never going to sleep when the baby sleeps. This is insane. And then reframing mm-hmm. it and saying to myself, well, what if you could become a good napper? Like, what if now's the chance? What if being this tired is what teaches you how to nap? Mm-hmm. You know, three months mm-hmm. of breastfeeding every three hours around the clock, never getting a full night's sleep. but you may actually develop a new skill here and it's called napping. And mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I remember my sister had a baby and she said the same thing. She's like, "Oh, I don't nap." And I was like, "You know what? Now's a great time to learn. And if you don't nap the first time, try again the second time your baby sleeps and the third and the fourth and the fifth and just be super boring about it. Because one of these times mm-hmm. it'll sink up and you might sleep for 90 minutes and that'll make
1: all the difference. I just remember you talking to me In the early days and being like, okay, four hours, like four hours in a row is this magical number. And like once you can get that, like, you know, and hopefully ninety minutes here and ninety minutes there on top of it. But like, Carrie, once you can get four hours in a row, it's gonna make such a difference. And I don't know if you even remember saying that to me. I was one of those people who would set the alarm and like, Okay, I've gotta wake up the baby after four hours and the alarm never woke me before she did. And so I never had that experience. And it took me a while. But I just remember, like, I do feel like those small goals, like maybe now is the time you'll nap. Maybe tonight's the night you'll get four hours, like who knows what, but those small bite sized goals, man, those help you get through those helps me get through the really
0: hard get in bed and watch TV because you're still resting, like rest your body, if not your brain and just keep resting because it's To me, the hardest thing is that it's not accomplishable in a day. It's not like you get one nap and everything has changed. There's a friend of mine who just spent a year with two kids under two. She had her second baby. Maybe it was nine months. She had her second baby and then her husband was on deployment the entire time. She had a newborn and a toddler. And she's like, I just feel so depleted. I feel done. And I was like, oh, well, you are. You may need nine months of sleep recovery along with like really good nutrients and a panel looking at your thyroid and all the other things, because you don't just bounce back from that with a weekend, you know, at a resort, getting two 10-hour nights of sleep. Sleep can take a really long time. And so if you spend three months not sleeping, you might have three weeks of getting great sleep, but it'll take three months of getting back into a sleep pattern until, for me at least, you have that moment where you're like, oh, the run felt good. Like I'm eating regularly. I'm pooping regularly. Like the system's starting to work again. It's that lag, the secondary lag where you're like, why am I not feeling better yet? Yes. That for me takes the longest time. And so one of my strategies when I'm dealing with sleep deprivation is my coach used to say this called put it in the bank. Anytime yes. we did a hard workout, but the same goes for sleep. Every nap you can get, you're just putting it in the bank. It just adds up. It's a cruel. It's not one-off. It's every single day, try to take a nap. If you can't nap, lie down. If you can't lie down, sit down. Because all of those things add up over the three months. And it's not very glamorous. It's not like, I was gonna say, it's not like I write this in my planner, but I totally do. One of my top three items sometimes is like nap. <laughs> so, so I just caught myself there. Yeah, I'll tell you, Carrie, I'm gonna open it because it's right here next to me on my desk. And this is my sleep deprivation talking. I can't even remember what I wrote down. Physical therapy, swim, bath with magnesium salts. Those are my top three goals for the day. Because I'll do the work. I'll publish the article. I'll record this podcast. It's not those things that are hard for me to get done. My anxiety and my peer pressure and my work ethic will get those things done. The hard thing for me is taking time to slow down and rest.
1: I love that idea too of like put it in the bank also as a College summer, who had a coach who said something very similar, you know, just talking about that break between prelims and finals. That's so many memories. But <laughs> I just had, so my baby's, I guess, eight and a half months old, the first day where I woke up without a thing or a person waking me up. So that, that was the first time, and I was like, oh. And I will get up now. Like not only have I woken up, I'm like, and now sounds like a nice time to get up. And luckily, you know, my husband had taken the baby for several hours. I had like nursed her and gone back to sleep until I think like 10. And it was the first time where I was like, okay, I still think, you know, if I've got a really bad night of sleep, I'm still way more tired than I used to be just from one night off. So I know I'm not fully caught up, but I'm catching up. And if you would have told me that's going to take you eight months or a year to do I would have been sad. And I wouldn't have believed you. I would have been like, No, 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 no. I got this. And instead, I'm like, Okay, yeah, these things with motherhood, or with parenthood, they are many days, weeks, months, years in the making. And Carrie, you're the kind of
0: sleeper, just for people listening, like you're a nine or 10 hour, you're a sleeper inner, tell me your sleep dreams.
1: I mean, my husband always joked in our, you know, old apartment that he could tell when I'd gotten in bed because I would release this like joyous, like ah, just like feeling when I get in bed. Like I love bed. I love sleep. He had said that his single greatest fear in us having a kid was me not sleeping. And that being said, not that not sleeping is something that I think one should work at, but like I did a good job. I parented very well through sleep deprivation. I felt good about it. But in a dream world, like 10 to 7, I think, if we're being honest, 10.30 to 8. I don't know. I don't know where the limits of my sleep are because I don't think I've ever hit them. Um, (laughs) Like That's who I am. am I'm a bottom swell of sleep. My choice, though, my dream is like, yeah, 9 hours probably. I remember before having a baby, if I got like 6.5 or 7 hours of sleep, I'd be like, okay, well, tonight I have to go to bed early because... I basically am sleep deprived now. <laughs> I could just like laugh about that <laughs> forever. But someday, someday I'll have a teenager who will sleep till like 11. And and she won't, will. Right? she won't know it, but I'll have set my alarm for 1045 to like get up just before her and be like, all right, lazy bones. <laughs> 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 you know, um, start the day.
0: It's Kate Northrup who she is the same way. She loves sleep. And she said, somewhere, somehow, I just remember this from her sleep is my spiritual practice. She's Mm -hmm. like, Look, I'm not me unless I get plenty of sleep. And she was one when I interviewed her. And I asked her what time she got up in the morning. She was like, 730. My husband does the first shift. I don't. And I was like, just in awe. I don't think I had heard someone admit that yet. And then I started to put it together. What do non morning people do? Like, what do sleepers do? So may you have plenty of nine or 10 hour nights in your future, Carrie.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I think that's one of those things too, where I, a couple of years ago, I would have denied how much I love to sleep or how important it is for me. I guess not even just like I love to sleep, but I love it also because of it's like the most important thing I do for myself. And I think that's also how I look at it. It is crucial, just like Kate, for me to be a semblance of the person who I want to be, like sleep is the number one ingredient for that. So I guess my
0: last question that I have, I have a loose outline for this episode, not a strict one as you as everyone can tell. I want to know, like, what do you do? Or how do you handle it when you are low energy? Like, this is something I'm about Mm -hmm. to dive back into. And it's been my growth edge. Like, how do I deal with this as I'm going into low energy? And what are the options? or strategies I have for what I can do. But you just came out of some of this, or you are still coming out. Yeah. What's it like to be low energy? And how do you operate? How do you function? How do you show up? How do you speak to yourself?
1: Yeah, if I could answer this to like, how I wish I had, <laughs> you know, like what I wish I had done. I think the first one is just acknowledging like how long that low energy might last for because I think that was what I kept bumping up against. She was like, okay, she's three months old. She's four months, mu- you know, six months. Like I should be doing X by now, which I think is just the single greatest disservice I did to myself. I'm such a fan. And this might be the sort of minimalist in me is just like to remove and or automate everything that I can that doesn't have to be tended to, you know, like the freezer meals or the whatever, microwave it, have someone drop it off, like any of those things that you can get off your plate do. I think that when my energy is low, I can very quickly get just like emotionally frayed and frazzled and I can be sharp or I can be sad or I can be whatever. And so I find that I need to leave as much space as I can to just like take care of myself emotionally in that time. And so my standards for what made like a good dinner got very low, and just became like, what is the easiest thing we can do? Like, I am sort of embarrassed to admit how many times Cam and I ate like one of those bagged Caesar salad kits. And oh, yeah, right. Like we were doing that like two nights a week for a long time, because it was just, I wanted to nourish myself, I wanted to take care of myself. So, you know, bagged salad it is. But that was it. It was just like, what can I take off my plate? And not just today or not just in this moment, but in like long term, big picture, what does not need to be tended to? I feel like what you've been doing and sort of planning for the business, like what is just the one or two priorities that I'm going to tend to in this time is the advice that I would have gone back and given myself. Like there are just a couple of priorities right now and basically all of them live inside this house. Mm -hmm. And so you know, bond with my baby, bond with my partner, take care of myself. And anything that's not under those immediate umbrellas are not a priority right now. Not to say that they won't be eventually, but just right now they aren't. And I guess that's the meta way I would like to look at it. And I hope if I have a child again, you very kindly remind me of that.
0: (laughs) You know, I'll be leaning on you because I'll text you and be like, Why can't I do anything? And you'll be like, Shh, Sarah, shh, go back to bed. Ask me this in March. Like that now's not the time to ask that question. And I'll be like, But I have to work. You'll see me like crawling to go to my laptop. And you'll be like, Uh uh-uh, uh, I'm not replying to this text message. You're not
1: allowed. <laughs> yeah, Cause I think also, like, you know, even again, just like the language we use, like the work of like keeping alive this thing that needs, somebody described it, I wish I could remember, like, the latching gigapet, you know, that you have to just like, constantly tend to all of the time, like what a profound job that is. And if you need space from that, and you want to plug your brain in somewhere else, like do it, you know, every parent should take care of themselves in their own way. But just to acknowledge, like, there's such big work happening inside of your body and inside of the little body that, you know, you're tending to around the clock. Yeah, so true.
0: So that's the kind of ideal slash real. What else comes up for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the ideal. I think in a real world, I kept getting frustrated. Like I bring up the dinner thing, because I think every day at 430, I would have a hit of anxiety to be like, Oh, God, we have nothing in the fridge, we need to go to the grocery store. What am I going to make? What's going on? And you know, these little things, I could be feeling good about my day, and then something small would overwhelm me. And I think I realized just kind of how I was, how close to the threshold I always was. And so I think letting small things go, I think like yin yoga or stretching or something like that, where I felt like I was still, you know, moving my body or paying attention to my body instead of just being this hunched over nursing mom all the time, that felt really good. But again, like this sort of slow and delicate and gentle parts, I think that's really good. And then I think. I don't know, again, just the grace in hindsight. Like if I did cry, if I did lose it, if I did say something, you know, kind of insane to my partner, because he got the wrong kind of tombstone pizza, you know, to just say, I'm sorry, to whomever, and then to allow myself to just get past it. Mm.
0: It's so true. It's so hard. The thing that comes up for me is, As I'm facing this, you know, looming deadline, which is unknown, you know, could the baby come in four weeks? Absolutely. Right? Could it be nine more weeks? Yes. If it's nine weeks, will I want to take the baby out myself? Yes, that too. (laughs) Looking at what feels like an insurmountable amount of work and all the things that are on my plate as the steward of this company and like all the things I want to build and all the projects I want to make and like all the uncovered possibilities. It's hard. It's really hard because I feel like there's so much potential and momentum and I'm leaving right at a time when I want to keep going. And so I'm asking myself questions like, what happens if I do nothing for six mm-hmm. months? Is it possible that good things will still happen? Could the podcast still grow on its own? right like does my injection of hustle energy is that necessarily the best move at all times and one of my recent affirmations is because lordy i'm so tired at some of these days and i do not have the capacity that i normally do what is normal i ask how can this be simpler and easier like hmm. how can editing this podcast not take 4 hours what if it only took an hour how can writing this article be simpler what if i emailed them and said Let's cut it by half or let's do half. And asking that question of myself, this is not one that I'm good at, but I work at. Who can I reach out to and ask for help? This whole podcast episode has reminded me, Carrie has energy. Sarah yeah. does not. We should keep talking. <laughs> like Things <laughs> like that, where it's, you know, these biases are like, I have to do it all myself. I have to work really hard. I have to do it all. And it won't grow unless I'm like working at 110% those are all potentially limiting beliefs. So it's not easy. But this pregnancy parenting thing is really forcing me to challenge my own assumptions. And maybe the best
1: thing for my business is to nap,
0: not to do more.
1: Isn't that wild? Like, just to even say that out loud. To like allow that energy to exist and to say, like, maybe the best thing for my business is to nap. And, you know, there's a part of me that's like, yes, yes, we need to say that more. And there's part of me that's like, that's crazy. That's never the right answer. Oh, my gosh, no, we should all be pushing. And I think that maybe to come full circle on that neuroplasticity, not only do we have this opportunity to question beliefs and to do some of this more, I don't know, emotional and other look inward Like our brains are actually going to be changing and could maybe support that. What if you held some of those mantras and some of those ideas really close to heart for the next 12, 16, 20, however many weeks, and that like actually really shifted something anatomical inside of you? Okay. On that, (laughs) I'm going to leave it there. And
0: people listening, what do you do? when your energy changes or when something significant comes into your life like this? How do you experience it? How do you deal with it? You're welcome to go leave a comment on the blog post for this episode and tell us. I told you a whole bunch of my stories. Carrie told you a whole bunch of hers. Tell us your worst sleep deprivation moment if you'd like to and or how pregnancy has inspired you to change something about the way that you do your work. Thanks, Carrie. This was awesome.
1: Thanks, Sarah.
0: And, you know, I always say this and I mean it. Leave us a review on iTunes if you like our show. It takes a few seconds and it really does help us a lot. If you want more of what we're talking about, go over to startuppregnant.com and get on our email list. We send out a weekly newsletter with time-saving tips for parents and entrepreneurs, and I always include a weekly gadget or tool or something awesome that we've stumbled upon to help make your life just a little bit easier. And as always, you can reach out to us at hello at startuppregnant.com. We love hearing from you.